This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. This podcast is sponsored by viewers like you on Patreon through PayPal donations with YouTube memberships and Twitch subscriptions. To support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash humanist report or become a member by clicking the join button underneath any one of our videos on YouTube. Members get early access to most videos and get to participate in monthly Zoom hangouts with Mike. Here's the biggest stories we talked about this week on The Humanist Report. Enjoy the show. Well, I certainly had an interesting weekend. Um, I was put on blast by J.K. Rowling, of all people. Yes, that J.K. Rowling, author of Harry Potter, multimillionaire, lives in a castle. J.K. Rowling. Now, she put me on blast because I angrily tweeted at her and um, she actually saw it. Now, I angrily tweet at celebrities and politicians all the time. I feel like my tweets to Joel Olstein in particular are bangers, but I tweeted at her because of something that she said, which was stupid. Um, and she did not like what I had to say, so she put me on blast to her 14 million Twitter followers. And the mob came after me. And of course, they wanted to cancel me, but I am resilient um, and I will talk about this experience now. Uh, but what's interesting is her tactics. They're very clear. So for those of you who don't know, lately, JK Rowling has been obsessed with trans people. And I think that she didn't like initially that what she had to say was perceived as bigoted, rightfully so. And so she's been trying to prove that she's not really a bigot. She just cares about women and girls and even gays and lesbians. And so it's not anti-trans. She's just concerned about women. Aren't you concerned about women, you big misogynist? Um, except what she's saying is by definition transphobic. And every time she tries to prove that she's not a bigot, she becomes further entrenched in this transphobic position and ironically proves our point for us. So let me show you what she tweeted out that I responded to. So she wrote, history will judge whether Dr. David Bell was a hateful transphobe or trying to alert people to a medical scandal, but he's far from the only health professional raising these concerns and I have the letters and emails to prove it. Now, we're not going to get too deep into his arguments here, but basically, in essence, his argument is that these doctors, they are uh, too flippantly diagnosing young people with gender dysphoria. Perhaps they're just gay or lesbian and not actually, you know, experiencing gender dysphoria. On top of that, uh, he claims essentially that more trans people are getting this diagnosis or excuse me, more autistic people are getting this gender uh, dysphoria diagnosis. Uh, so suggesting that autistic people are being taken advantage of. Nice ableism there, by the way. Um, no, actually, this isn't really an issue. People who are diagnosed with gender dysphoria, by and large, that's a correct diagnosis. So let's actually look at some facts really quickly here. So 97% of trans people are happy with their transition. And in the UK, JK Rowling's country, the regret rate is 0.47%. I repeat, 0.47%. So doctors are overwhelmingly getting their diagnosis of gender dysphoria correct, but he's pretending as if this is some big issue when it's not. Now, the reason why he's claiming this is an issue and he's fashioning himself as a sort of whistleblower is because He's anti-trans, quite literally. This is an anti-trans charlatan 
who doesn't think that kids should get gender-affirming care. He's in lockstep with Republicans in the United States. And people politely responded to J.K. Rowling and tried to point this out. For example, Aaron wrote, Joanne, you are literally pushing a conversion therapist. He belongs to an organization calling for 100% detransition that calls each youth who goes on to transition a failure that seeks to eliminate youth transition that calls HRT opposite-sex imitation medicine. Now, this person noted that he lacks the credentials that he claims to have. Bell has not actually worked clinically with trans people. He has no relevant expertise. He was a staff governor with no clinical involvement and is facing disciplinary procedure. So ask yourself this question, why wouldn't J.K. Rowling tweet out the peer-reviewed studies that show that gender-affirming care for young people saves lives? It's medically necessary. It reduces rates of depression and suicidality. Why would she tweet out this one quack? who's a bigot, it's because he's confirming her transphobic point of view. Now, people try to engage respect uh, respectfully. I, for one, I don't engage respectfully with uh, transphobes and homophobes because I'm of the belief that civil rights are not debatable, even though it technically is debatable in certain countries politically, but I don't think that they're debatable. So my goal is to just insult them until they shut the fuck up, and I want to make it socially unacceptable for bigots to speak their mind. I want them to keep their bigotry, their transphobia, their racism, their misogyny to their self. So I usually don't try to engage respectfully. I just insult them and I move on. So I tweeted this to JK Rowling. You're a repulsive bigot. Go fuck yourself, transphobic trash. Now, shockingly, she saw that tweet and she decided to screen cap it. And she put me on blast responding saying, me shares video of experienced psychiatrist that's wrong who turned whistleblower expressing his deep concern at high numbers of autistic children and children with internalized homophobia presenting at gender clinics them and then she shares my tweet letting her 14 million followers know where to find me and find me they did but before we get to that um my response was not indicative of most of the responses that she received. Sure, there were people that were just calling her a transphobic bigot, but there were people there who actually tried to engage respectfully, but she just bypassed them and went right to my tweet. Why is that? Well, it's because this cry bully wants to be perceived as the victim. Well, I'm just sharing this expert opinion and they're coming at me, they're calling me a transphobe. Aren't I the victim? Maybe my followers should go get this person and tell them how mean they are to me. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You could have shared Aaron's tweet. You could have shared the actual valid critiques of Dr. Bell. But yet you didn't. You just shared somebody like me who was being mean to you because you're trying to make it seem as if trans people are bullies and trans allies are bullies. When, no, we're just concerned about people who want to live their lives, but you are hell-bent on making their existence hell. So that's why people are mean to you, right? You put hate into the world. Don't be surprised when we respond with vitriol in kind because it's unacceptable. So, um, you know, after I saw this, I had to double down because that's what I do because I'm correct here. So I tweeted out, I'm so happy this multimillionaire asshole saw my insult. I genuinely hope it ruined her day. Trans rights are human rights and we will fight against prejudiced bigots like JK Rowling every time she opens her transphobic mouth. Leave trans people alone, you goddamn psycho. Now, let me just pause for a moment. I think that what she was expecting was her mob to come after me and then I'd you know, set my uh, Twitter account to private, but I don't care. I mean, these folks, they don't know anything about me. They've never heard of me. They've never seen the humanist report. So any insult that they lob against me 
is meaningless. It just comes out of a place of simping for J.K. Rowling, wanting to defend mother's honor no matter what. How dare you tell her to go fuck herself? Don't you know she's a multimillionaire who lives in a castle? She wrote Harry Potter. You speak to her with respect, motherfucker. But I don't, I, I don't care. Like, again, I've been on YouTube for such a long time that I have very thick skin. And that's not to say that certain insults don't bother me from time to time, but these po folks don't know who I am. So what can they possibly say to hurt my feelings? So of course I'm going to double down because I'm ride or die with my trans fam. Okay. Now, uh, my mutuals on Twitter responded as well, defending me. Uh, the Cavernacle wrote, only Nazis agree with your opinions on the LGBT community. And he's right. He pointed out how Richard Spencer retweeted her. And by the way, a good indication that you're on the wrong side of history is when literally neo-nazis agree with you and they retweet you just saying and the viglin wrote i'm so sorry that you're facing consequences for your bigotry outside of your preferred context my heart bleeds for you the serfs responded saying oh damn mike you're famous queen of the turfs is coming for you vosh said you should share the opinions of more experts then since psychiatric and medical institutions in america and the uk overwhelmingly support trans people you are such a piss baby imagine being a trillionaire author and crying over a go fuck yourself on twitter and that's such a good point. Imagine being a multimillionaire living in a literal castle and you're so fragile that somebody saying go fuck yourself is grounds for you to put them on blast. I mean, I could take it, right? I'm not a victim, unlike her. She likes to be the victim. I'm not a victim because she sent her mob towards me. But like, imagine being so thin skinned that you have to seek out these responses and put it on blast so people defend you so you feel good about yourself. And I'm by no means like the smallest person who she's put on blast. She'll oftentimes seek out small trans creators and she'll put them on blast to her 14 million followers. Like someone like me, I'm big enough to where I could take that, but smaller creators, that would be overwhelming for them. They don't know how to deal with that sort of a dog pile. So it's weird that she does this. But uh, you know, let's, let's get to the dog pile and the responses because I think it really was insightful because it shows how deranged these transphobes are and they will use any argument imaginable to defend mother jk rowling transphobic queen so this person says that they reported me this person said i have a tiny penis how dare they how dare they say that about me uh this person called me a rapist um okay this person called me a pedophile this person also reported me this person called me a misogynist 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 report bearded misogynist now i've got to say you know you can call me a misogynist you can say these hurtful things about me but if you criticize my beard that's just a line too far don't you dare criticize my beard <laughs> uh look all of that you know you, you think that that's that's hateful this person they created a horrible image of me where they wrote dickhead over a picture of me and then they spammed that to basically every response that i made how dare they do this i have no choice but to concede now JK Rowling must have been correct because you wrote dickhead over an image of me. There's also somebody who tried to find a picture of me soy facing. So they just found my YouTube account and they screen capped an, an image of me with my mouth open. But I mean, I've been posting YouTube videos for years. There's thousands of videos. I'm sure there's one video of me authentically soy facing, but I just, I, I don't understand how it's an own, but these are children. These are probably really young people, young fans of hers who just, you know, they they find a celebrity who they latch onto. Maybe they read Harry Potter and think she's, you know, a demigod or some shit like that. And, you know, they, they can't accept anyone who would dare criticize her. Uh, and it's funny that the number one response that I've seen is that because I told JK Rowling to go fuck herself, I'm a misogynist. It's inherently misogynistic to be rude to a woman. A, a woman. That makes no sense whatsoever.
that's actually misogynistic to make that claim because don't you think that a woman like a man can be told to go fuck themselves i mean i'm an equal opportunity offender here right um so what they didn't know however was that i have my own uno reverse card so any one of these jk rowling fans who called me a misogynist, who criticized my beard, who made fun of me for uh, my, my penis size, guess what? I'm gay, you're now homophobe, because if any insult against JK Rowling is inherently misogynistic, then any insult against me is inherently homophobic. Also, I, I've got to say that this person, they really had me figured out. They claimed not only that I was an incel and that my inability to get laid is le leading to me hating women, but also that I'm probably planning violence and people should really watch the signs here. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting takes. Again, like nothing that they say can truly offend me because they don't know who I am. So they're calling me an incel and a misogynist and they're saying, LOL, you have a beard. I do. Yes, it is an actual intentional choice that I have to have a beard. <laughs> her fans are as deranged as her, but I don't necessarily put much stock into what they say because these are probably very young people. Um, but, you know, I will never back away uh, when it comes to defending marginalized people. I can take the hate, but I don't think that trans people who are just normal people trying to live their lives should have to put up with hate. So my message to JK Rowling officially is in the most British voice possible. Fuck off, you wanker. That's what I have to say to you. So uh, keep talking shit about trans people. We will keep responding because what you're doing is just harmful and gross. I mean, she has such a large platform, so much influence, so much money that she could make the world a better place. But she's not. She's making life even more of a hell for trans people. And that's so gross. Like, you have to be a disgusting human being to just constantly go after trans people because your fifis are hurt. Who cares about your feelings, okay? Trans people are killing themselves. And so gender affirming care is medically necessary. Trans rights are human rights. Trans women are women. And you, JK Rowling, you're just a fucking terrible person. So uh, don't cry as you bully trans people. Don't pretend as if you're the victim as you victimize trans people. You are the oppressor in this instance. You are the one marginalizing them. And if you don't want the backlash, then stop tweeting about trans people. Stop being so fucking obsessed about trans people, you goddamn psychopath. Well, the GOP's new emphasis on being explicitly homophobic once again has triggered a sort of race to the bottom, predictably so, where right-wing politicians and right-wing grifters like Tulsi Gabbard are trying to out-homophobe her peers on the right in order to, I guess, pander most effectively to the GOP's insane base, I'm not sure. But Tulsi Gabbard, she saw that Ron DeSantis signed the Don't Say Gay Bill into law, and she thought, you know what, I could do one better. I actually think that that bill doesn't go far enough because you know how it applies to grades K through three? I think it should apply to uh, high schoolers as well. We should make it K through 12th grade. So uh, look at what she says in an effort to protect parental rights. And she's definitely authentic here. You know, she's not pandering at all. It's not like she was once homophobic and then apologized for said homophobia. But after seeing that the left saw through her bullshit, she's now turning to the right. This is all genuine. I'm sure she genuinely thinks these things. Take a look. You may have seen in the news recently or you may be a parent who's experienced how parental rights are under attack all across the country as the government tries to usurp parents' rights and responsibility to raise their own children. 
And we should all support the parental rights and education bill that recently passed in Florida, which very simply bans government and government schools from indoctrinating woke sexual values in our schools to a captive audience, a captive audience that is by law required to attend. But as I read the legislation, I gotta tell you, I was shocked to learn that it only protects kids from kindergarten till third grade. Third grade? What about 12th grade? Or not at all? Now, government has no place in our personal lives. Government has no place in our bedrooms. Parents are the ones responsible for raising their kids and instilling in them a moral foundation, not the government. Now, the reality that we're facing in this country is our schools are failing. Nationally, 34% of students are below basic reading level in the fourth grade. 25% of high school graduates are functionally illiterate. Now, I'm confident that if our schools focused on educating our kids, teaching them the fundamentals, things like English, math, science, civics, history, we would see our literacy rates improve and set our young people up for success. They'll be thinking logically, thinking critically, and thinking for themselves. This is what our public schools should focus on. And apparently you can't focus on those things unless teachers pretend as if LGBTQ plus people don't exist. Except Tulsi, do you think that gay and trans students would be better or worse if teachers pretended as if that wasn't a thing? Do you honestly think that that's going to put them in a better circumstance where they're more likely to excel at civics and math and history? A study from the California Healthy Kids Survey found that LGBTQ plus secondary students were at higher risk for bullying, chronic sadness, and thoughts of suicide as well as poorer learning engagement and academic performance compared to their straight and non-transgender peers. LGBTQ students also reported receiving substantially fewer social and developmental supports from teachers. But the study's analysis suggests that if LGBTQ students experienced the same levels of support and safety at school, as non-transgender and straight students, disparities would disappear or greatly diminish. So this study says that if we care about gay and trans students, we should provide them with support, have counselors be able to talk to them about gender identity and sexual orientation, and that's how they'll excel. But Tulsi says, no, we shouldn't do that. But yet she cares about kids and wants them to learn. Mm -hmm. Sure, Tulsi, you're definitely not pandering to the right who you now want to be your base if you run for president again or launch some sort of a show or get a Fox News show. Uh, she also said that I was shocked to learn that it only protects kids, protects kids from kindergarten through third grade. Third grade, what about 12th grade? In 12th grade, I can assure you, we all know our sexual orientations or gender identity. Perhaps you're still confused a bit, but it becomes a lot more clearer when you're that age. But Tulsi Gabbard is saying, no, in 12th grade, when somebody is probably an adult at that time, a lot of 18 year olds are in 12th grade, when somebody is 17, 16, and they know about their gender identity and they're experiencing gender dysphoria, we should still pretend as if that doesn't exist so as to not indoctrinate them into this quote, woke ideology. And uh, the results would be catastrophic, Tulsi Gabbard. If we offer these students support, they excel. But if we don't do that, then what happens? Well, they harm themselves. There's a reason why LGBTQ plus students are at greater risk of self-harm and suicide. But Tulsi Gabbard is saying, I don't care. If we pretend as if gay people exist, 
then, uh, you know, if we mention that that's a thing, then these students might think, well, I want to be gay or trans, therefore we can't indoctrinate them, we should just let them kill themselves. What a terrible person. And I don't even know if she believes any of this, right? Who knows what Tulsi Gabbard believes? I don't think she has an ideology, but I do know that she has an agenda, and she's just saying what she thinks will make her popular among the GOP's base. She also says parental rights are under attack. Now, she's actually right about that. Parental rights in America are under attack, especially in states like Texas. This article from the Washington Post reads, dreading the knock at the door, parents of trans kids in Texas are terrified for their families. Now, why are they terrified for their families, you ask? Well, because in Texas, if you are a loving parent who seeks out gender-affirming care for your child, which is medically necessary, by the way, this is what the experts say, well, you're a child abuser and we're going to investigate you as if you're a child abuser. So this is the state telling people how to raise their kids. They're saying you can't actually treat your trans child with gender affirming care. You can't be loving and affirming to them. You have to treat them like shit. Otherwise, we're going to take your kid away from you potentially. This is possibly going to lead to state-sanctioned kidnappings. And Tulsi Gabbard, somebody who's supposedly concerned about parental rights, said jack fucking shit about this. Has Tulsi Gabbard denounced what Texas is doing? Has Tulsi Gabbard said that parents on the opposite side of this argument should be allowed to raise their kids how they wish without getting indoctrinated into the, this right ideology? Of course not, because she's a hack. And she's just saying what the right wants to hear because she's a grifter. That's all she is. Uh, she says that the Don't Say Gay Bill bans schools from, quote, indoctrinating woke sexual values in our schools to a captive audience. This bill essentially forces teachers to pretend as if gay people and trans people don't exist because kids in grades K through three, they're not getting taught about uh, woke sexual values. They're not learning about that. So what this bill essentially does is it censors teachers. If you're a trans teacher or a gay teacher, you can't casually mention your partner. You can't casually mention anything about your life because you're indoctrinating students there, right? So you have to pretend as if gay people don't exist. If Shelby in the classroom has two mommies, you can't bring that up, you can't mention it, right? But it's okay for you to mention Tom's mommy and daddy because that's not indoctrinating them into heterosexuality, right? She also says parents are the ones responsible for raising their kids and instilling in them a moral foundation, not the government. Okay, well, if a parent doesn't like heterosexuality and they think, you know what? I don't like that heterosexuality is seen everywhere. It's in every cartoon, it's it's in public. Uh, I don't want my kid to be indoctrinated into this uh, heterosexual sexual ideology. So I don't want my kids to be taught about mommies and daddies. I want them to only know about their loving uh, mommy and mommy. So is that acceptable? No, what's only permissible is what the right wants. And they do believe in indoctrinating. And the reason why they don't want people to know about, or they don't want children to know about gay people is because, you know, if you don't teach kids to be accepting of other people, of trans people, of gay people at a young age, then perhaps, you know, you'll increase the likelihood that they'll be hateful. And they'll be a hateful bigot like Tulsi Gabbard when they grow up. So that's really what this is about. And in order to kind of push this bill, not Tulsi Gabbard, but others are uh, equating gay people with pedophiles. They're saying, oh, well, you know, if, you, if you're against this, then it seems like you want to teach kids about sex. Why? So you can groom them? Gross. Isn't that disgusting? No, no, that's not what this is about. Again, we're not teaching children about this and we shouldn't. There's age-appropriate conversations that you can have with children if they're curious about their classmates to daddies. But 
this bill is about censorship. And Tulsi Gabbard, uh, when she spoke at CPAC, her whole speech was essentially about freedom of speech. But now here she is coming out again in favor of censorship. I mean, she already proved to us that she's a fraud when it comes to free speech after voting against BDS, voting for APAC's resolution uh, to condemn BDS when she was a member of Congress. And here she is again, the free speech absolutist saying, actually, it's okay to censor teachers here and potentially subject them to a lawsuit if they say the wrong thing. What a fucking fraud. But I love it because Tulsi Gabbard, you know, she thought that she could come out and look as if she's the most homophobic, the most right wing. But Lauren Boebert actually outflanked her even because Lauren Boebert is saying, you know what? I think that, you know, 12th grade, we should go further. We should protect kids until they're 21 and just treat, you know, sexual orientation and gender identity as we treat alcohol and tobacco. She tweeted out, we require people to be 21 to purchase alcohol beverages and 21 to purchase tobacco products. Why is it so unreasonable to require people to reach a certain level of maturity before making life altering decisions about their sexuality and identity? Now, it's interesting that she says this uh, because it suggests that people, you know, uh, you don't know your true sexual identity until you're 21. But hang on a second, Lauren Boebert, when you were 17 years old, you were sexually active. Your boyfriend at the time was 24 years old. Now, if we want to protect children, perhaps we should protect them from people like Lauren Boebert's husband, because um, let me remind you what he did in the 2000s when she was still with him, by the way. As Salon explains, in January 2004, when Jason Boebert was 24, he was arrested for exposing himself to two young women at a Colorado bowling alley. His future wife, Lauren Roberts, as she was then known, who was 17 at the time, was also present and was told she was no longer welcome at the bowling alley. So it seems like we don't have to protect children from gay and trans people. We should protect them from people like Lauren Boebert's husband. I've got to wonder, you know, um, he dated you when you were a minor. He was 24 and you were 17. Was he grooming you, Lauren Boebert? I mean, is all these straight people bringing up the presence of mommies and daddies because they want to groom young straight people into these relationships? I mean, it's absurd, right? I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously, but when you take their anti-gay argument and you apply it to straight people, it sounds absurd, right? But we have this double standard for gay people and trans people because, you know, the country is getting better, but there is still a lot of rampant homophobia and especially transphobia. So, you know, these frauds like Tulsi Gabbard and Lauren Boebert, they're going to try to engage in these culture war issues because they don't have real substantive critiques of society. They don't want to talk about healthcare, education, climate change. So they keep us bogged down in this culture war. You know, they keep us fighting about issues that society has largely moved on from because this is what they think is going to win them support. And, you know, they're probably right about that. I just hope that it doesn't work, but it probably is going to work. So the best that we can do is push back against them and let you know that this race to the bottom, this, you know, a attempt to be the most homophobic politician, you know, it might work now, but younger generations by and large are absolutely progressive and affirming of LGBTQ plus people. So it's only a matter of time when history is going to look back at you as terrible human beings. So why do this all for temporary political wins? It just seems stupid to me, but um, here we are. So after spending the last five years or so fear-mongering about the so-called far left in the United States and rhetorically aligning with the GOP, Bill Maher is finally acknowledging that, yeah, maybe it's a problem that the right in this country continued to shift further and further to the right. 
Oh, okay, interesting. So Ross Stories, Alex Henderson reports, Bill Maher warns Republicans running in 2022 midterms make the 2010 kooks and extremists look tame. Now, we're going to dive into the article here. But first, I've just got to point out how convenient it is that after emboldening the right for years, affirming their fears about the far left as your position, you know, as a liberal saying, yeah, I'm a liberal. And even I think the far left is crazy. After doing that, after going on Ben Shapiro's show, after agreeing with Ron DeSantis, don't say gay bill. Now, all of a sudden you're saying, yeah, maybe the far right is a problem. Yeah, this is what the far left has been warning you about. But you bought into the lie spread by the far right. So now all of a sudden you're saying, that this is a problem while the far left the so-called far left in the united states was fighting over health care and education fighting for climate change action in any way shape or form the far right was screeching about cancel culture and political correctness trying to distract people from real issues that the left was talking about and you helped the far right bill so i mean i can't help but think this is a monster that you've in part created or at least emboldened so it's interesting that now all of a sudden you're saying this. Now, I'm not going to play the clip for you because HBO has been bad about copyrights lately, but I'll play the clip in the background while I read to you what he says, as written by Alex Henderson of Raw Story. So, although comedian and real-time host Bill Maher is a blistering critic of political correctness and woke culture, he is no fan of MAGA Republicans and former President Donald Trump. And during an early April monologue on Real Time, Marr warned that the far-right GOP kooks and extremists who are likely to take over the U.S. House of Representatives in the 2022 midterms make the Republican kooks of 2010 and 2012 look tame by comparison. We are now only seven months away from midterm elections that are poised to make the Republicans much more powerful, Marr told viewers. So attention must be paid to where the Republican Party is right now. You'd think, with the left going a little loony over the past few years, Republicans would have seen an opening to grab the sensible center. But no, normal Republican crazy, where you just shoot guns at things you don't like in your campaign ads, even that shit doesn't cut it anymore. I look back at the Republican class of 2010 because that year has been held up as an example of Republican coup gone wild, Mark continued. For all of you who get frustrated because Manchin and Cinema don't vote like true liberals because they never were, or think Trump is as bad as it's going to get, remember the first rule of modern Republican politics. They always go lower, because this party has no bottom, unless you count Senator Lindsey Graham. The kooky Republicans of the 2010 era wouldn't even make the cut today for extremism, and the ones today aren't even as bad as the ones in the wings. Wait till you see the incoming group of Facebook uncles, crazy Karens, and submental shit posters coming up. Mar pointed to dim-witted religious nut Kelly Tishibaka, who is running for the U.S. Senate in Alaska, Michelle Fiore, who is running for Nevada State Treasurer, sociopath Eric Greddens, who is running for U.S. Senate in Missouri, and Tina Forte, a Republican seeking Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's seat in the Bronx and Queens as some of the many GOP kooks running for office in 2022. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir. This is what we've been saying, Bill Maher. But even as he talks about how extreme the far right is in the United States, he still has to take a shot at the far left because he's functionally a conservative at this point. He was just on Ben Shapiro's show. Like, what was it, uh, three weeks ago? Talking about how gender-affirming care for trans youth is bad. How it's new that, like, uh, parents are letting kids transition at the age of three. I mean, I don't really know what he's referring to. Perhaps he's finding some story of, you know, a young child 
choosing a young boy, for example, choosing to wear wigs and girls' clothes because he's showing signs of gender dysphoria. I don't know what he's talking about, but every single thing that he tries to do is seemingly in service of the right nowadays, right? As he is now complaining about the far right, he gave them ammunition. They were saying, look, Bill Maher is even saying what we're saying. He's saying that the left in this country, they're insane. Prager U was sharing Bill Maher, right? They were sharing Bill Maher videos of him shitting on the left. And there really is no far left in the United States. By and large, the left in the United States, they're pretty fixated on substantive issues. They're talking about healthcare, education, climate change, and the far right is trying to pinpoint these examples of maybe a school teacher telling kids who's more oppressed or asking kids who, who's more oppressed. Like you let them cherry pick these examples and you prop up their attacks on the far left and you use that to validate your position as the true liberal. And then they use you to legitimize their position. And this is kind of a mutual relationship that you formed with the GOP as you rhetorically aligned with them. And now you're realizing, oh my God, they're kind of fucking insane. Yeah. I just don't know what to say other than, yeah, we told you so. But he says this now and next week he'll talk about how one school teacher was like really woke or something and and um, was too gay. Uh, so the don't say gay bill is necessary, something that he agrees with, by the way. Uh, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell Bill Maher. I mean, at this point, I think that he's concerned about Republicans being sensible because he probably feels more at home if the Republican Party wasn't as extreme. I think he probably doesn't really identify with Democrats anymore. I mean, he supported Amy fucking Klobuchar in 2020. I mean, if you support Amy Klobuchar after you supported Bernie Sanders, but yet you still claim that everyone else changed and not you, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't feel like there's anything that I can say to reason with you. You've just kind of become a crotchety old man and you don't like that the far left is more vocal and we push back against not just the right, but Democrats as well, centrists as well, who are holding all of us back. So, I mean, Bill Maher is a hypocrite. And, you know, I'm glad that he's finally talking about the far right. But after you've aligned with them, it just feels a little bit weird that you're pointing this out. I mean, you've aided and abetted them as they shift farther and further to the right. And really, you can only shift so far to the right until you become an authoritarian. And as they are authoritarian, you'd think that somebody who cares about democracy, as Bill Maher claims he does, would be screaming at the top of his lungs about these anti-democracy Republicans running. But what does he choose to do time and again? Focus on the far left. What was the first thing he said after Trump uh, one back in 2016. Oh, well, maybe, you know, uh, this will lead to less political correctness. He's just an opportunist. And I don't know who finds his commentary insightful. He's just an angry, rich dude who's pretty conservative and has shifted to the right over the years. But, you know, he doesn't want people to go too far to the right. But I mean, this is the Republican Party. This is who you've propped up. And they've kind of paid you back by promoting you. PragerU is sharing the video and speaking your praises. So, I mean, I don't know if you're truly concerned. Stop helping them. So proponents of Florida's Don't Say Gay law allege that really this is about protecting children and it's an anti-grooming law. And if you're against this, then I guess you support grooming. Now, their logic was that really if kids know that gay people or trans people exist, then that 
is kind of grooming them into this particular lifestyle. You could teach them to be gay or trans. And therefore, if you stop teachers from acknowledging the existence of gay and trans people, then you kind of prevent grooming. You kind of prevent teaching children how to be gay. Now, it doesn't work that way, but that's their argument. And they claim that people who are opposed to this bigoted law must be pro-grooming. But it turns out all of this talk about grooming was nothing more than projection because Tennessee Republicans are proving that they're actually the ones who want to groom children. So as Brian Teller Cohen reports, Tennessee Republicans are advancing a bill that creates a separate privileged class of marriage for heterosexual couples, acting as a loophole to the Supreme Court's legalization of gay marriage. The bill would also legalize child marriage by eliminating age requirements. It's basically a get-out-of-jail-free card for people who are committing statutory rape, said a lawmaker on the committee the bill passed out of. It would establish a common-law marriage between one man and one woman, including for children. Yeah, don't even know how to respond to this one, but I think that Hassan Piker put it best. The same people who foolishly think watching Disney grooms your child into being gay are openly legalizing child brides. Wonderful. Yeah, they're the ones who want to groom children. They're proving this here. Now, for more details on this particular piece of legislation, a local news affiliate, WKRN, further explains the bill's sponsor, Tom Leatherwood, said the law being considered would add a new marriage option for Tennesseans. So all this bill does is give an alternative form of marriage for those pastors and other individuals who have a conscientious objection to the current pathway to marriage in our law. But missing from the bill are age requirements, opening the door for possible child marriages, something the bill's sponsor acknowledged during a Children and Family Affairs subcommittee. There is not an explicit age limit, Leatherwood said. Now, why is that, Mr. Leatherwood? This is him right here. Uh, why did you not include this in your bill? I mean, I can't think that this was something you just kind of forgot because if you're really trying to redraw the lines of marriage, if you're trying to create these parameters and say it's between one man and one woman and you remember that, but you somehow forget the age requirement, I don't know, to me that's a little bit sus. Now, the current age where you can legally marry in Tennessee is 17 if you get parental consent. So we don't even know with this particular bill if this were to pass, it passed out of a committee, but if this were to pass, say somebody wanted to marry a 14-year-old, would they even need to get consent? Is that drawn out? This is just sick. I'm sorry, this is sick. This is disgusting. This is quite literally grooming. And I just, I want to know the excuse. So far, we haven't heard the excuse. Is it, oh, we forgot? Or, mm, you know, all marriages are good as long as they're between a man and a woman. Age, not really the issue here. We're just trying to limit between a man and a woman. These people are just gross. They're sick. And again, every single claim that they've made about gay people re um uh, you know uh, igniting this trope this uh idea that gays are pedophiles and we have to protect them from children no the people who we need to protect children from are republicans like tom leatherwood because this is just honestly sick now if you think that this is the only barbaric thing that the gop is trying to do it's not because in Oklahoma, as Vice News reports, they passed a straight-up ban on abortion, making it a felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison. And their anti-abortion governor will almost certainly sign it into law. 
Now, even though this is a bill coming from Oklahoma, it doesn't just affect people in Oklahoma because once Texas's six-week abortion ban went into effect, a lot of women in Texas who sought out an abortion went to Oklahoma. But now, when or if this governor signs this into law, this is no longer an option for women in Texas. So, I mean, this is what the GOP is trying to do. There's a healthcare crisis in the United States. Most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. We have a climate apocalypse that we're facing, and this is what they're focused on. Bringing us back to the morality of, I don't know, the Stone Ages, the caveman days. What the fuck is this? This is insane. They are insane. They are gross. And they want to subjugate women to second-class citizen status again. That's what they want. And you'd think that there'd be objections from Republican women, but right-wing women are right there cheerleading them on. In fact, Marjorie Taylor Greene just said that she uh, believes that women are actually the weaker sex. This is something that she actually said. What is a woman? Because she said she's not a biologist. I'm going to tell you right now, what is a woman? This is an easy answer. We are a creation of God. We came from Adam's rib. God created us with his hands. We are we may be the weaker sex, we are the weaker sex, but we are our partner, our husband's wife. Yeah, that's a really shitty definition of a woman, and I think that most reasonable women would object to that. But I mean, this just goes to show you how fucking insane they are. They are extreme. And if you think that, you know, this is as extreme as they could possibly be, it's not. Just last week, a GOP senator accidentally came out against interracial marriage. Do you think that all of this is a coincidence? I mean, they are so reactionary. You know, remember when everyone was asking, well, you know, when you say you want to make America great again, what era do you want to go back to? I think it's clear now. It's not just that they want to go back to the leave it to beaver days where racism was socially permissible. They want to take us back to the days where human beings were barbarians. I mean, what's next? Stoning people? Uh, South Dakota, I believe, is the state that just legalized executions by firing squads. So what the fuck is next? We're going to bring back beheadings in the public square? What's the limit? And the answer is that there's no limit. The GOP is so unhinged and extreme that they've become a black hole sucking America into it. They are literally ruining this country. And this is what they're focusing on. Culture war issues, but not just a particular wedge issue. They're bringing it straight back to the 1950s, the 1940s. When will it end? It won't. So the only thing that we can do, we being normal people with morals and who are reasonable, is to push back as forcefully as we possibly can because they will not stop until they take us back to the dark ages. That's their goal. And um, it's horrifying. It should horrify everyone. When we see Republicans out in the open coming out against interracial marriage, passing laws that effectively legalize child marriage in the United States, that's your signal that something is wrong. If you weren't seeing it before, now is the time to acknowledge that this party is as extreme as a political party can possibly be. You have some of them explicitly calling for a military-style dictatorship in the United States. Mike Flynn, who worked for the White House, came out and endorsed this. So this party is conspiratorial, they're anti-vax, they're truthers about the 2020 election, and socially speaking, I mean, who knows how far they want to take us back. It's truly insane, and normal people should be repulsed when they see this.
but they're not going to stop here. Trust me, it's going to keep going. And next week, we're going to see some other story about how one of them is actually unironically in favor of, you know, banning interracial marriages again. There's no limit to their insanity and their moral depravity. Trust me. So maybe it's just me, but I feel like Marjorie Taylor Greene is going out of her way to prove to everyone that she is the most unhinged member of Congress. But even with that in mind, it's not like she's that much crazier than most elected Republicans. In fact, I think she's probably pretty representative of the median GOP voter. The Republicans of the 2010s, the Sarah Palins of the world, they look sane in comparison to today's Republican Party. And, you know, to think that someone like her being in power scared us then. I mean, we lived through a Donald Trump presidency and they're still shifting further to the right. There are elected Republicans to the right of Donald Trump. And that should really scare everyone because there's no limit, right? They're conspiratorial, anti-vax. In one state, they've brought back executions by firing squads. In Tennessee, uh, they just advanced a bill that would subvert the Supreme Court's ruling on uh, same-sex marriages, but also it simultaneously effectively legalizes child marriages. I mean, there is no limit to how low they are willing to sink. And Marjorie Greene, uh, she decided to respond to something that Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson said. Uh, she refused to play the GOP's games, and she didn't define a woman when she was asked to. She said she's not a biologist. And I mean, that's the only way that you can answer that question. This is a Supreme Court nominee. She's not going to have to determine the definition of a woman. So it's idiotic to try to play this gotcha with, with her. I mean, be serious, right? You should be asking serious questions. But Marjorie Taylor Greene didn't like that she didn't answer that question, and she tried to prove how easy it is to define what a woman is. But take a look at the way that she describes a woman. First and foremost, her definition is absolutely batshit fucking insane. But what she says about women, uh, it, it should make reasonable women cringe and actually just make everyone who's reasonable cringe because what she says is uh, a little bit of a yikes, if you ask me. What is a woman? Because she says she's not a biologist. I'm gonna tell you right now, what is a woman? This is an easy answer. We are a creation of God. We came from Adam's rib. God created us with his hands. We are, we may be the weaker sex, we are the weaker sex. But we are our partner, our husband's wife. What she said isn't just sexist, but it's genuinely stupid. It's an antiquated way of thinking. And her being a member of Congress kind of invalidates that view. It suggests that she doesn't actually believe that. Because if she genuinely believed that women were the weaker sex, then she should resign. Right? Don't her constituents deserve someone from the stronger sex? Someone who's more capable, according to her? So why are you in power when a man should be in your position, Marjorie Greene? Shouldn't you be in the kitchen? I mean, this is the logic that an elected female Republican is espousing. Don't you have any self-worth self and dignity? Think about the way that she described women. Oh, you know, we, we came from Adam's rib and we're meant to be companions men so you don't have your own autonomy women can't have their own desires women can't be strong themselves i mean why would you want to promote this as a woman you're essentially advocating for your own subjugation 
But why say this? I, I, I feel like there's no way she believes this because, again, she wouldn't be running for Congress. She would cede this position to a man. But think about if Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, she's crazy in 2022, right? But imagine if she was born in, I don't know, 1899. And there was this argument over whether or not women should have the right to vote. Which side do you think she'd fall on? I mean, she'd be the most extreme. She'd be against it. She'd be vocally advocating for women to not have the right to vote. It doesn't matter what era she's in. If she's this extreme in 2022, just imagine what she'd be saying if she were born in a, in a different century. I mean, it's stupid that she thinks this. And when I say stupid, I know a lot of people think, well, Mike, you know, that's not substantive. You're just resorting to ad hominem attacks. But no, I think she's genuinely stupid. And when I say that, I mean, she has a low IQ. And a different story about her further demonstrates this point. So as Jordan Corney of The Hill explains, Senate Democrats backed by three GOP senators voted on Monday night to break a deadlock on Judge Kentonji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court nomination, paving the way for her to be confirmed by the end of the week. Senators voted 53 to 47 to formally discharge Jackson's nomination to the full Senate. It's the first time the Senate has had to take the procedural step for a Supreme Court nominee since 1853. GOP Senators Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney voted with Democrats to make Jackson's nomination available for a full Senate vote. So, in other words, just three Republicans chose to be at least temporarily reasonable and advance her nomination. But do you want to know what Marjorie Greene said in response to her GOP colleagues daring to be somewhat reasonable? This is what she said. Murkowski, Collins, and Romney are pro-pedophile. They just voted for KBJ. They're pro-pedophile because of the way that she ruled on certain cases. Them supporting her means they're pro-pedophile. I mean, there's, there's so much to say in response to that. But first of all, this you? Yeah, seems like the people that you hang out with are a little bit sus themselves. And second of all... The definition of slander is as follows. The action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Now, what makes defamation lawsuits so difficult to prove is you have to prove that there was malintent. With Marjorie Greene, it's evident that there is malintent. She constantly makes slanderous statements like this so in the event one of these uh, republicans who she called pro-pedophile wanted to sue her for defamation there's a likelihood that she's so brazen that they could actually win that defamation lawsuit that's how stupid marjorie green is she doesn't even realize what she's doing slandering her gop colleagues to the point where they could actually plausibly sue her for defamation and win now let me be let me be very clear here i despise mitt romney lisa murkowski and susan collins but you can't just make up things about people you don't like you can't just say that they're pro-pedophile because you don't like them and you have political disagreements with them i wouldn't just say marjorie green is pro-pedophile because she hangs out with Matt Gates, because that would be slander. And I don't have evidence to prove that she's pro-pedophile. You can't just make things up about people. But yet she does. I mean, how old is Marjorie Greene? She's gotta be in her 40s at least, but I think she's in her 50s. And she's like a child. She just makes things up about people. They're pro-pedophile. They're a uh, jihad. Isn't that what she said about uh, Ilhan Omar? She said they're part of the jihad squad. She echoed what Lauren Boebert said. She just makes slanderous things up about people. It's only a matter of time before somebody 
uh, she pisses off has enough money and power that they outright sue her. And perhaps the Republicans like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins are being nice to keep the peace, but she's going to piss off the wrong person and she's going to get sued. You can't just make shit up about people, Marjorie Greene. So, I mean... She's slandering her GOP colleagues, of all people. She is uh, saying that women are the weaker sex. I mean, at this point, she's so unhinged, I wouldn't be surprised if she showed up to Congress and just, like, took a dump on the House floor. That's how insane she is. Why did you go with Tufts 70%? I thought you would look like me. Okay, that's all right. Why did you go with Tufts 70%? We go in the side, I'm pretty sure. Does that make that hard for you to do well done, Sunrise Movement in PA. That was just, that was incredible. The look on his face, he he kind of noticed that they were trolling before uh, they they made the switcheroo. He was kind of trying to look at the backs of their, uh, their posters because they were bright yellow, so they were a little bit conspicuous. But the second that he realized that they were there to confront him, he said, well, I thought you didn't look like my supporters or something like that. Um, that's because you don't have any supporters, Connor Lamb. You're essentially a Republican running in a Democratic Party primary. Do you think you're going to make a lot of friends with this particular strategy? I, I mean, what were you thinking? Now, notice how that coward didn't even engage with them at all. I mean, you're running to be a public servant. You're a member of the House and you're a politician. So you're saying, I'm running for office because I want to serve the people, but yet you're running away from them the second they try to push back against your corruption and your fossil fuel donations. Why not just spend a minute talking to them, explaining your position? It's because he has no explanation. He's just corrupt. Now, the Sunrise Movement in PA tweeted, The climate crisis is a life or death matter. Young people fundamentally understand that, but Connor Lamb is okay with sacrificing our futures for fossil fuel money. Now, taking a closer look at the signs, they say, Republican in Lamb clothing, and the other variation of signs says, This guy voted with Trump 70% of the time. Now, whenever I post videos about politicians being confronted in public like this, uh, there's always the pearl clutchers that will chime in and say well that's so rude and improper and it's not a good way to make your point i mean you're just pushing people away um and i hate this because when you have politicians with so much power who are refusing to act knowing that their inaction could cost millions potentially hundreds of millions of, of lives i'm not worried about being impolite, right? This is a fight for survival. And if you think that that's hyperbole, take a look at this headline from Gizmodo, which puts things into perspective. It's now or never. We have three years to reverse course major climate report finds. Now, the author of this article, Molly Taft, goes on to explain, in order to avoid the worst impacts of climate change, the world needs to make a serious U-turn over the next three years to curb our emissions, a stark new report finds. It's possible to do so, concludes the report released Monday from the Intergovernmental 
Council panel on climate change, but only with serious, immediate, and sustained action across all facets of society. And we have very little wiggle room when it comes to our addiction to oil, gas, and coal. The amount of fossil fuel infrastructure that currently exists or is planned worldwide is enough to push us into levels of warming that are over the goals set out in the Paris Agreement the report finds. It's now or never. If we want to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, IPCC Working Group 3 co-chair Jim Skia said in a statement, without immediate and deep emissions reductions across all sectors, it will be impossible. So to see these headlines, to see scientists warn us repeatedly about how we have a limited window of time to act and our time is running out. If you think that activists being impolite to politicians is a bigger issue than climate change itself, then your priorities are ass backwards. I don't even know what to say. Now, um, whenever I talk about climate change, I understand that it leads to defeatism and a feeling of hopelessness, but I want to recommend to you a really good video by Kurzgesagt on YouTube, uh, and they talk about how the fossil fuel industry is still thriving specifically because they're weaponizing our doomerism against us. They count on our doomerism, and because of that, they're still able to dominate. But the video is overall optimistic because it, it explains that even though the situation is bad, even though we're looking at a huge disruption to society because of climate change and mass migration. It's not as bad as it could be. So we are going to persist as a species. Climate change is going to get bad. Climate change is going to cost millions and millions of lives. But there's been enough changes. And uh, renewable technology is a cheap enough option to developing countries to where we're not looking at a temperature increase between four to eight degrees Celsius, which would actually facilitate the end of life on this planet. So what we're looking at is bad. And essentially the situation is dire, but it's not hopeless. And that's the takeaway from that video that I would highly recommend. I'll link to it down below. And I think that that message is really important because when I talk about climate change, I don't know how to give people hope. The situation is truly horrifying and politicians like Connor Lamb they just refuse to act. And he's not the only one, but he's, you know, a microcosm of a broader issue. And the United States is, you know, one of many countries who are refusing to take meaningful action to mitigate climate change. Uh, but the situation is not hopeless. And even though we are going to see a really dark period throughout human history, the species itself will persist. Now, I don't know if that gives you hope, but it does give me a little bit of hope. But what we're fighting for why action is so important is because we're talking about millions, potentially hundreds of millions of lives. If we act now, we can save these lives. But because of people like uh, Connor Lamb, corrupt politicians, we're going to see a breakdown of society. We're going to see, you know, mass migration. We're going to see new political movements form as a result of the disruptions of climate change. Perhaps fascism grows as people have to leave their homes. I don't know what to expect, but I know it's going to be bad. And I know that not taking action is criminal. So if you're offended that these activists were impolite to Connor Lamb, spare me your outrage. Because what's more important is saving lives. What's more important is taking care of the one planet that's habitable that we have access to. And I'll leave that there. Well done to these activists. Uh, they are absolutely uh, brave. And I commend them for their bravery and, and just calling out these politicians relentlessly. 
The House of Representatives recently voted to lower the cost of insulin by setting a price cap. Now, thankfully, it passed 232 to 193, but this should have been a unanimous vote. Who were the 193 people who voted against lowering the cost of insulin? It feels like this is a no-brainer. And if you don't think that the cost of insulin should be lowered, you're just cruel. People need this medication to save their lives. Without it, they die. So who's against this? Well, the answer is Republicans. Republicans are against this. All but 12 voted against lowering the cost of insulin, proving once again how cruel and cartoonishly evil they are, not even trying to pretend as if they care about normal Americans. And they've shown time and again how morally defective they are. The sole purpose of this party is to induce harm, harm on you, harm on minorities, harm on people who are already suffering. And they don't just not care about people who are suffering, they laugh as they do evil things like this. The party is just awful. So the question is, if you know how morally defective they are, why do you keep voting for this party? I mean, the Republican Party, they could literally start doing child sacrifices on the streets and there would still be people who justify voting for them by saying, yeah, well, I mean, the Democratic Party, they've got a little bit too woke and maybe gay people and marginalized people, people of color asking for too many rights. There's like two Democrats who support defunding the police and I really don't like that. So I had to vote for this party who's doing child sacrifice. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic here, but is there no limit to how cruel this party can become to where you just stop supporting them? I mean, if you have a member of your family who relies on insulin to survive, then don't you think they're going to feel upset that this happened? I mean, I get that you can't control every single thing that your representative does after you vote for them, but the Republican Party by and large has demonstrated time and again how evil they are. They are just evil. They like to inflict pain and suffering on Americans. So why would you support them? I just, I don't understand at this point. Now we heard from Matt Gates. So he is one of the individuals to vote against this. He does not believe that this life-saving drug should have its price capped. And he tried to explain his justification here. And um, he had no good reason. But yet simultaneously, as he explains why Big Pharma should continue to rip people off, he claims, oh, I'm still fighting Big Pharma, just not on this front. So as Stephanie Mensimer of Mother Jones explains, among those voting no was Representative Matt Gates, the GOP's leading troll who has come up with perhaps one of the most offensive justifications for GOP opposition to the popular bill. In his newsletter Friday, Gates told his constituents that he opposed the bill because fat people, not Big Pharma, are responsible for driving up the cost of insulin. He suggested that type 2 diabetes, which is often linked to obesity, could be cured if only people would work out more and lose weight, at which point they wouldn't need insulin anymore and the drug costs would fall without government intervention. Gates wrote, while Democrat posturing of HR 6833 victimizes insulin payees as people with an uncontrollable disease that are being taken advantage of and need Big Brother to throw them a raft, lifestyle changes in mass would expeditiously lower demand and the subsequent prices of insulin. 90 to 95 percent of people with diabetes have type 2 diabetes, which can be prevented or delayed with healthy lifestyles such as losing weight, 
eating healthy food, and being active. Arbitrary price controls are no substitute for individual weight control. Since 2000, the number of diabetes cases in the United States has nearly doubled. The demand for insulin has increased and the requisite price increase has followed suit. In other words, the price of insulin increases as waistlines increase. More than a quarter of Florida residents are obese, including Gates' favorite Palm Beach resident, former President Donald Trump. And more than 10% of the state's population suffers from diabetes, not all of which is caused by lifestyle factors. Gates' attempt to sympathize with them was probably not very convincing. While he empathized with all Americans suffering from disease and will continue to fight Big Pharma, that's a joke, I voted against H.R. 6833, he wrote. I will not see a reemergence of FDR price controls and join Democrats in their attempt to pave the road to serfdom. Wow. So in other words, if you rely on insulin to survive, odds are it's because you're obese. So uh, if you can't afford it, die. That's what he's saying here. He's saying this to a lot of his own constituents. Does it get any more cruel than that? Does it get any more cruel than that? My nephew relies on insulin. He's not overweight. Not everyone relies on insulin because they have diabetes of their own making. And even if that were the case, do you honestly believe that because somebody made poor lifestyle choices, they deserve to die if they can't afford medication? Is that honestly what you're saying? And the answer is yes, that's what he's saying. If you can't afford it, well, too bad. Should have been skinny. What a monster this man is. And in the same breath, he says, well, you know, I'm still going to fight Big Pharma, don't you worry, but I'm just going to let them rip you off when it comes to insulin. Unreal. Now let's look at the cost of insulin in the United States compared to what other countries pay. So this chart is a little bit dated. It's from 2018, but still it shows that we pay over six times more than the second highest pair of insulin six times more. And regardless of why people need insulin, public opinion polls show that Americans overwhelmingly support capping the cost of insulin, including 82% of Republicans who either strongly or somewhat support capping the cost of insulin to $35 per month. But Matt Gates and 92 other Republicans say, no, we disagree. Okay, well, I mean, they're, they're out in the open saying, we think that if you can't afford the cost of insulin, you should die. So the people, the 82% of Republicans who either somewhat or strongly support insulin having a, a cost cap, are you still going to vote for this monstrous party? I get if you don't like Democrats, okay? You're just going to be ideologically different than me. I don't like Democrats as well. I think that they're too conservative. But I mean, the differences here are pretty clear. And if you don't like Democrats, you don't have to vote affirmatively for Republicans because every time you cast a vote for Republicans, you are emboldening them in their fight to just make people suffer for no reason. He's, he's saying here, you should suffer if you're obese. I just, how do you even justify this with a straight face he's saying this? If you're obese, sorry. Too bad, too sad. Should have been skinny. I just, how how can you rationalize this? How can you support this party of monsters and demons? Holy shit.
Now, more details about why this is necessary and why most reasonable people supported this in Congress. On Thursday, the House passed a Democratic-sponsored bill to cap the cost of insulin at $35 a month for most Americans, an effort to crack down on price gouging by drug makers who have raised the price of a life-saving product used by millions of Americans by almost 500% in recent years. Some people now pay more than $1,000 a month for insulin to treat diabetes, even with insurance. Let that sink in. Even with insurance, some people are spending more than $1,000 per month and they don't have a choice. They can't just choose to not pay. You know, if you are going to a restaurant and they raise the prices or they change a menu, you can say, I'm not gonna go there. But when it comes to a medication that is life-saving, you don't have the choice. You either pay or you die. And capping the cost of just one drug, I mean, we should be able to control all prices. We should be nationalizing pharmaceutical companies that continue to price gouge Americans, but just doing the bare minimum here, just an incrementalist approach to lowering the cost of this one drug. 193 Republicans, including Matt Gates, say, mm, no, fuck them, let them pay more. I just, I don't know how you support this morally defective party. So if you vote for Republicans consistently, they are showing you who they are. They're so cruel that they are against capping the cost of insulin. I mean, insulin should be free, right? But they don't even want to put a cap on the cost of this one drug. But yet, they're fighting Big Pharma. Don't you worry. No, they're fighting you. They're against you. They don't care if you die. They don't care how many Americans are suffering. They don't care how many Americans are sleeping on the streets. They're perverted. They almost get off on seeing people suffer. That's their whole ethos. So if you still support this party after they've shown you time and again that they don't give a flying fuck about you, then that says a lot about you as an individual as well. Well, it turns out Ron DeSantis' Don't Say Gay Law may not actually go according to plan after all. And this is because a couple of teachers brilliantly found a way to sabotage the law in a way that is truly magical and uh, hilarious. How are they sabotaging this law, you ask? Well, by simply following it. They're following it very, very, very carefully. So we learned about a memo being circulated by at least some teachers in Palm Beach County, Florida, and we found out, out about this through Moms for Liberty. So here's what they say about this memo, which I'll read to you in a second via Twitter. They write, Attention parents, a teacher in Palm Beach County, Florida shared this template with us. It is being shared among teachers to use for grades K through 3. How do you feel about this? What will you do when this arrives home in your child's backpack? Time to take a stand. Now, here's what the memo that they're sharing reads. Dear Florida parent slash caretaker, the Florida House of Representatives has recently ruled that classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. To be in accordance with this policy, I will no longer be referring to your student with gendered pronouns. All students will be referred to as they or them. I will no longer use a gendered title such as Mr. or Mrs. or make any reference to my husband slash wife in the classroom. From now on, I will be using the non-gendered 
standard title mix. Furthermore, I will be removing all books or instruction which refer to a person being a mother, father, husband, or wife, as these are gender identities that may allude to sexual orientation. Needless to say, all books which refer to a character as he or she will also be removed from the classroom. If you have any concerns about this policy, please feel free to contact your local congressperson. Thank you. Mix blank. Now, this is absolutely brilliant. Well done, and I hope that every single teacher in Florida circulates this memo. Look, it's funny because you know that the intention was not for this to happen. When we told you you couldn't talk about sexual orientation or gender identity, of course, we weren't talking about cishets, just queer people. Except these teachers are just following the law to a T. And so by your own standards, this is the only way you can be compliant with the law. So you've got to ask yourself, why were they so purposefully vague when they created this law? Why didn't they just explicitly say you can't talk about transgender people or gay people? Well, because that's obviously unconstitutional and they know that a court would strike it down like that. So in order to keep this uh, maintained so it holds up to scrutiny... They tried to be purposefully vague. They tried to make it so that way the intended outcome was to pretend as if gay and trans people don't exist. But if teachers actually follow through with this, well, they're just going to pretend like no gender identity or sexual orientations exist, including the non-queer ones. Oops. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is just... This is too great. This is too great. Now, I've got to share the responses to the Moms for Liberty Twitter uh, account because they posted about this. They were hysterical about this. And then the responses were just brilliant. I never thought leopards would eat my face, sobs woman who voted for the leopards eating people's faces party. Keffels just says, based. It's your bed. Lie in it. Looks like some people are annoyed to find out that sexual orientations and genders are not just something the queers have right? I'm so sorry. I thought gender was a thing not to be discussed. Me sewing. Haha, <laughs> yeah, yes. Me reaping. Well, this fucking sucks. What the fuck? I love this one. Sounds good. Congratulations on your victory over gender and sexuality in the classroom. You've successfully made it illegal to even describe a traditional nuclear family. Good job. And this one is probably my favorite here. Oops, I treaded on myself. <laughs> How was I supposed to know there'd be consequences for my actions? And last, but certainly not least, bathrooms will have to be labeled without gender now because gender identity is a prohibited topic. So no child is permitted to identify as a boy and use the boy's bathroom or identify as a girl and use the girl's bathroom. This is what you wanted. Exactly. They didn't realize that gender signifiers were everywhere. That sexual orientation is everywhere. It's just part of life, right? When you reference a child's mommy and daddy, you're referring to an orientation. It may be a heterosexual orientation, but it's still an orientation. So just like everyone else, straight people and cis people have gender identities and sexual orientations as well. So if you rule it all out and say it's illegal to talk about this in the classroom, then if we're being consistent, well, you follow these guidelines laid out by the teachers. But these homophobes and transphobes, like the Moms for Liberty, didn't realize that it could be used against them as well. So here we are. I hope this becomes a widespread occurrence because as we talk about this uh, Don't Say Gay law and as it gains popularity as individuals like Marjorie Taylor Greene say, oh, well, I'm going to introduce a version that applies at the federal level. Okay, well, go ahead and do that. We'll just do this. So if you really want to make sure that you erase gender and sexual orientation, well, you may get a little bit more than you bargained for. I absolutely love this. 
love to see it. And uh, I hope that teachers in Florida absolutely follow this law to the T. So a group known as West Virginia Rising is planning what they're calling a cold barren blockade around a very specific power plant that's really important to corrupt right-wing Senator Joe Manchin. Now, the goal of said blockade is to send a very loud and clear message to Joe Manchin. As Julia Connolly of Common Dreams explains, hundreds of people in West Virginia on Saturday plan to blockade a coal waste power plant that directly benefits right-wing Democratic Senator Joe Manchin while contributing to the planetary emergency with dozens of activists planning to risk arrest. The blockade will target Grandtown Power Plant, which receives coal waste from Systems, a company run by Manchin's son. The West Virginia Democrat earned $500,000 from Systems last year. Particip Participants will put their bodies on the line to highlight the harm from the Manchin family business, protest against the burning of coal waste, and call for a different future for West Virginia, said West Virginia Rising, which is organizing the direct action. The blockade follows the senator's decision in the last several months to reject numerous climate action provisions in the Build Back Better Act, President Joe Manchin's signature domestic economic package, and comes days after the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released its latest report on the planetary crisis. Now, I cannot tell you how much I love this idea. These activists are absolutely brilliant. They're brave. And what they're doing is so important because of how dire the situation is. So the article referenced this, but just this week, here's the headlines with regard to climate change. UN warns Earth firmly on track toward an unlivable world. It's now or never. We have three years to reverse course, major climate report finds, and it's gotten so bad that scientists, as apolitical as they are, they're even becoming activists as climate scientist Rose Abramoff chained themselves to the White House fence in order to demand that the Biden administration declare a climate emergency. I, I mean, what do you do in this situation? Time is running out and you have people like Joe Manchin who just don't care. He does not care, and it's evident that the heckling isn't working. People have confronted him in public, but he's been unmoved. And it's so bad that members of Congress who do actually care about climate change, they're practically begging Manchin to just come up with something, any bill. You know, you can exempt your own power plan, be corrupt, just give us something that we can pass that makes a little bit of progress. But he refuses to do anything. And thus, this type of action is necessary because if you don't want to budge because you profit from coal, well, then you've got to hit them where it hurts. And that's what these activists are doing. They're protesting at this coal power plant that specifically makes him hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. Now, I want to share the Twitter of this group with you. You can find them at WV underscore rising. And I wanted to share a TikTok from one of the activists who is saying that about 400 people will attend this event. Uh, take a look at what she has to say. Hey, are you having a good day? Because I'm about to ruin it. And then hopefully make it a little bit better. The IPCC report that dropped on Monday that barely got any attention says that we need to peak our emissions in the next three years to avoid catastrophic effects of climate change, which include more than just natural disasters. Now that I got that out of the way, here is something to make you feel better. Coal, one of the worst fossil fuels, is dying. Beyond Coal campaign has retired 60% of US coal power plants, and this is heavily done through resistance on the ground. Which brings me to my next point. This Saturday, Joe Manchin's coal operation is going to be blockaded by over 400 people. Manchin makes millions off of coal, while his community suffers. Resistance works. If you are from West Virginia or somewhere near West Virginia and you are inspired, please join them because they need more people for this to work. The people in power causing climate change want you to see this and curl up in a ball and just cry. But we cannot do that. Take action, resist, 
and fight for the future that you want. Please join. Well said. Now, um, West Virginia Rising shared a different video which details the extent of Joe Manchin's corruption. I think a lot of people acknowledge that he is profiting from coal Hence, that's why he won't take action. But the corruption runs much deeper than that. His whole family is comparable to the Trump crime family. I mean, this family has a history of corruption and self-serving deals that harm their own constituents, harm West Virginians. So take a look at this video here. So how can you watch that and not be upset? That video makes me feel irate. You should especially be mad if you live in West Virginia. This senator who's supposed to represent you took money out of your pocket and put it into his pocket. And now he's one of two senators who's an obstacle to any change. He is not allowing your family, your children, your grandchildren to have a habitable planet. He's an obstacle to progress because of this coal power plant. So if you live in West Virginia, you should absolutely be irate and not support Joe Manchin. And if you have the opportunity to show up at this event and um, be part of the movement, I really respect what they're doing here. Uh, you know, it's not easy to put your body on the line and subject yourself to arrest. But that's what these activists are doing because they understand how dire the situation is. Time is running out and the window of opportunity to actually have legislation pass with Democrats in control of both houses, uh, you know, in Congress, it's it, it's almost over. So Joe Manchin stands between any action, even just milquetoast reform with respect to climate change, and he's not even allowing us to get incremental changes. So it's unacceptable. You can't allow this to stand. So these activists, they can't primary him this year. So here's what they're doing protesting at this plant that makes him lots and lots of money. I absolutely respect it, and um, I look forward to uh, seeing the videos from this event. I really hope that they, uh, they send him a loud message, and I hope that he gets it. Want more? Visit humanistreport.com for links to our full catalog of videos on YouTube, Means TV, and Facebook. You can also find audio versions of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms. And before you go, consider supporting the show on Patreon or through YouTube memberships. You'll get early access to most videos, invites to monthly live chats with Mike, and you'll be thanked by name at the start of the next episode. There are other ways to support the show. You can like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share our content on social media. Thank you for watching.